Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. This week has been a little bit tough for many of us. If you've uh, watched the news or social media or anything else, you've uh, realized what happened in Uvalde this week, and it's absolutely uh, heartbreaking. Uh, And there are tons of ideas and attempts at solutions around those things. Um, and, uh, And I think as the people of God, it's important that we recognize that we really are in a spiritual battle, that it's not a flesh and blood issue, but there's spiritual stuff going on. And we recognize that there is spiritual attack I would almost say unparalleled, but we saw it in Jesus' day. We saw it in Moses' day. There's something that God is wanting to do in this generation, and the enemy does not like it, and he's coming after them. And so it's, it's our responsibility, church, uh, to be on guard, to be, on, uh, be in prayer. Um, and also, we just need to, to recognize um, what's going on in Uvalde even now. Um, I believe that God is there and that he is near. And so I'd like for you just to to join me in prayer for the community of Uvalde, for the families, uh, teachers affected. And Lord, we just thank you that you are in Uvalde. And Lord, we ask now, Lord, that you would just send supernatural comfort to those that mourn. You tell us, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And so, Lord, we ask for your comfort for every family that's facing uh, a Sunday without a kid or a spouse, a son or a daughter. And Lord, we ask, Lord, for your peace to enter in in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me? We're gonna start in Mark chapter 16. I think the reality of our world and the state of the church are in a bit of a a friction, a collision. What we have found is that primarily in the West that we have attempted to teach uh, an intellectual gospel that is full of ideas and void of power. And yet we live in a world that is not lacking for ideas and philosophy, but is in desperate need of transformative power. And when we understand the gospel correctly, what we understand then is that it's not something to know here, but it's something to know here and then to live out in supernatural power everywhere we go in all that we do. And I think... What, we, what, I, what I hope that this morning that you can get, whether you're five or 55, is that if you've given your life to Jesus, you have access to live from a different place that is full of power, that's not lacking, and that when you pray and when you show up, things change. And I believe that's the heart of God. Let me tell you a couple of stories real quick, and then we'll jump in to Mark 16, and then we'll go to John 3. Uh, about eight weeks ago or so, um, we were getting ready for Easter, and so we put door hangers on 
all the doors of, the, uh, of many of the new subdivisions in our city because we just wanted people to be invited, that they would know, hey, there's a place that actually cares about you, wants you. And so we're, uh, we did that as a church family on a Saturday, and then uh, our, our staff team went on a Monday morning. And so we were making rounds in this neighborhood, and the first door that I walk up to, I see that there's somebody on the porch. And I'm like, okay, this would be, okay, I'll get to talk to somebody. And then I see that they go inside. I'm like, well, that guy saw me coming and wanted nothing to do with me. And then I look and he left his drink in the middle of the porch. I'm like, this is going to be an interesting interaction because I think he wants nothing to do with me, but I think he's about to also come back out to get his drink. And so we'll see how this works. Hey, sweetheart, this is my girl. She's awesome. Love you, Abby. And so, uh, so I'm like, okay, what's, what's about to happen? Should I just, it's, it's nine in the morning. I could just avoid like my first interaction being an awkward altercation. And so I'll just go to the next house. And then I felt like God said, no, go to that house. So as I'm walking up, the door opens. And it's a familiar face. It's a guy that I know. And I said, hey, man, how are you doing? He said, not good. I'm like, okay, what's going on? He began to share with me just some of the stuff that he had been going through and that he saw me coming. And so he went inside to avoid me. And then he realized that I was actually an answer to his prayer. You see that weekend had been a pretty rough weekend and he made some pretty bad choices over the weekend. And he was up early in the morning and he recognized that there was some demonic influence in his life, that he was a captive and that he could not get free and that he needed somebody with authority to come and pray with him and set him free. And so I sat down with him on the, the bench on his front porch and I began to pray. And this was my initial prayer. Holy Spirit, come and baptize him with fire. See, John the Baptist said of Jesus, when Jesus showed up right before he was baptized, that Jesus was going to come and that he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And here's what I know about the fire of God. It's an all-consuming fire. So we sat on his porch, and within about 10 minutes, I began to name some demons that are influencing him have him captive. He begins to dry heave at my feet as those demons are coming out of him. And then he looks at me with tears in his eyes, shaking. And he, he says, every demon that you named was what I was asking God to kick out of my life and was powerless to do. Come on. Meanwhile, our team is like walking by because this is like on a street corner and they're like wondering, why is Joel just sitting there having a conversation while we're all working? But eventually Dustin walked up and we prayed that God would just fill him with his spirit. And it was night and day different. He got his right mind back. I don't tell you that story to say anything about me. I don't tell you that story 
to impress you. I tell you that story to encourage you that you carry that same authority in the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, demons have to go. And that there really are demons. It's not, though it could be, though it could be the cause of, it's not simply just mental illness or, or that they didn't understand in that day. There are real demonic forces that are at odds with the kingdom of God. And when we say yes to Jesus, we get access to that. I'll tell you one more story. You like stories? Uh, last Sunday, um, I was at uh, the grist mill with a, a new friend, a guy from Ireland that uh, has like this St. Patrick kind of passion to see the whole Ire- island of Ireland one to Jesus and wants to partner to do it. So maybe we'll all get to go to Ireland together. How about that, huh? So we were, uh, we were sitting there and we, we were praying for our food at the grist mill and uh, not like a fancy prayer. I was like, God, thank you for food and a new friend. And, uh, and our waiter was not like praying with us, but he came up to us probably 20 minutes later. And he said, did you guys just pray for your food? He said, I said, yeah, we just prayed for our food. He said, are you, are you religious? Or I think he maybe said, are you Catholic? I said, man, we just love Jesus. And, uh, and so we began to have spiritual conversation and God began to show me some things about him, that he had a, a grandmother who was very spiritual. She was like, the words I would use with you, she's like almost mystical. Like she's like, she loves God with all her heart. And that that was actually God's desire for this young man. And so I shared that with him. He's like, man, I, and I said, she prays for you every day. He says, yes, that's exactly who my grandmother is. And he said, man, I just feel so far from God in this season. And so I said to him, hey, why don't you put your hand on your heart and just ask God, God, are you with me? Puts his hand on his heart. He just sit there in the middle of a busy restaurant, his hand on his heart, God, are you with me? You could just tell, boom, he recognized God's presence with him. That led to continued conversation. We've been texting this week. He's going to get plugged in with our college ministry. I didn't try to argue him into the kingdom. Though there is time and place for apologetics and understanding some things that you could explain, the reality for you and I is that we don't just know about God. We actually carry him with us everywhere we go. And when we begin to realize what we have access to and that it's actually something that you and I have the ability to give away, like the, the, the thing is, is that we, many of us came into the kingdom out of a fear of hell. Anybody have that? You're like, man, I don't really want to go, go to hell, so I'd like to say yes to Jesus. There's a handful of us, some of us sheepishly raising our hands. But then I remember being in Sunday school class and them showing me a flashcard of what they said, this is what heaven looks like, and it looked like a church service. And I thought, how, how bad could hell be? <laughs> so let me say this. I'm not, hell is a real place. And it was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his demons. And God will not send you there. You can choose to go there if you don't want to be with God, but the invitation is to be with God. 
But many of us grew up on this idea, either that we're escaping heaven or that, or heaven, hell, or, or that one day we'll get to go to heaven when we die, and that's what eternal life is. It's way better than that. I'm, I'm excited for heaven and to be in God's presence for eternity, but that starts now. You see, the gospel is a declaration not of what is to come, but that everything has changed. It's a declaration that the, the, the kingdom of heaven is available to us and that we can live in that reality here and now. And so because the gospel is a declaration of something that's already shifted in a world that is not distant from us, heaven is not up in the sky, it's the spiritual world that we can't often see with our eyes, but exist behind a thin veil that you and I have access into. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we get transformed into that place. How many of you know that Ephesians 2.6 says that we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places? You recognize the, the present tense of that verb are? We are, not we will be. That means that you and I exist currently in heaven in Jesus. And that's the place that you have authority from. Now go with me to Mark chapter 6. This is, I th or 16, sorry. This is, I think, one of the most radical versions. Thank you, Kenny. Most radical versions of the Great Commission. Uh, start in 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He doesn't just say all, to all people, by the way. Here's what happens. Maybe, maybe you're, you're green in here. The gospel transforms all of creation. That's another sermon. Probably by another preacher, actually. Uh, Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All these signs will, will accompany those who believe. Read that line with me again. All these signs. Does your version say might accompany some? Will accompany all. Will accompany all. Not just the apostles, not just some people almost 2,000 years ago, but all who believe. How many of you qualify for the all who believe? This gospel is the invitation to a supernatural lifestyle. It's not the bonus stuff that some select few get to do. It's for all. And it's not simply for the really mature ones. It's not for the ones that have studied really hard. I've seen, she's going to hate that I'm pointing her out, my daughter Eliza, who's nine. I've seen her at age five give prophetic words that bring adults to, into tears. Because it's not about how much you know, it's about who you know. 
And what religion tells you is that somehow you can ascend by knowing more instead of that you get everything in Jesus when you give your life to him. And we begin to recognize all we have access to, it will change how we live. Because here's the reality. That guy that I was with at the grist mill, he needed to know that God was with him. Right? Like that God actually, that there's an opportunity that he could live life with God. I'm not trying to argue him into my religion. I'm trying to give him life and give him access to the source of life that will transform all of his life. You see, it's not about, hey, let me argue you into knowing something, but there's an invitation for you to be in relationship here and now, not just later. That changes everything about how you live. Accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. By the way, I got a box. No, I'm kidding. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Amen? Enough said? Okay. And they will drink deadly poison, same thing, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Do you recognize what you have access to in Jesus? That's why Jesus in John 14, 12 says, whoever believes in me will do what I do and even greater things because I go to the Father. Not just the disciples, the apostles, not just pastors or teachers or evangelists, anyone who believes in me. I believe that there is a commissioning for the people of God in our day that we would see the things that Jesus did. And I'm interested in finding out about the greater things. I believe that God is stirring up his people. We have seen our world in the last three years go through incredible pain. Right? And I believe that the church carries the very gift of life that can transform every bit of it. And that there is so much life to be found in Jesus and there is so much Jesus in you that it will overflow everywhere you go. And it doesn't have to be wild and dramatic. It can be that God gives you an opportunity in the form of somebody else's need and maybe it's helping them out or maybe it's praying for them and expecting him to show up, giving him space to show up and then watching him do what only he can do. I believe that's what God's heart is. Go with me to John chapter three. I wanna show you this. We've looked at this before in a similar way. Sweetheart, do you need something? You want to go home? (laughs) All right. I did tell you that I would preach short this morning. Dad, I'm tired of listening to you. (laughs) 
I love it. John chapter three. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are the teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. This passage is not about life after death. This passage is not about how to go to heaven when you die. Do you understand that? Like, that's included. That's like, potentially you could put that in the footnotes, but it's not what this passage is saying, though it's been used to say that. And when you give your life to Jesus and you're born again, you do go to heaven when you die. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying that's not the point of this passage. Are you with me? What he says is that, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What he's talking about when he says kingdom of God, he's talking about the rule and reign of God. That is a spiritual reality in our day that comes with life and with power that is transformative. He says, how can someone be be born when they are old? That's a legit question, Nicodemus. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Yes, thank you for clarifying. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. I believe that there are some here that you would say, man, I've given my life to Jesus. But if I was to be really honest, I don't know that I have life in my spirit. Or or maybe your spirit feels like it's on life support. There's just a flicker, and you know that there's supposed to be a flame. I believe that God has that for you this morning. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Do you understand the context of all of this is that Nicodemus is trying to figure out how Jesus does the stuff. Right? He's saying, hey, you do all this stuff. Surely you're from God, but really, how's it all working? And what Jesus is saying is, when you become alive in the spirit, you get to do this stuff. You with me? Anybody want to be alive in the spirit? You want to live alive in the spirit? No one has ever gone into heaven. I skipped a verse. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. He didn't say you don't understand. You with me? There's a difference between understanding and believing. Understand I can wrap my head around that concept. Like I've seen people healed and I can wrap my mind around the concept or I can believe that God did that. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven 
original transcripts, my NIV does not have this. I think it doesn't have this because the translators could not wrap their minds around it. It says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. And then it says this in the original transcript. Some of your translations will say this. Who is in heaven? Jesus was saying, I'm existing in two realities at the same time. Are you with me? And that goes back to we are seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Here's what I want you to get a hold of. Is that when you're born again, when your spirit becomes alive in Jesus, you exist in the spiritual realm with him and you have authority in that place. Here's the thought. This one could get me in trouble. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe you don't go to heaven when you die because you're already there. Got quiet, huh? Glad we don't have stones around here. Um, here's what I'm saying is that you're already in Jesus. And, and if Ephesians 2.6 is right, I'm tempted to say that I agree with it, then you're already there. Now, is, is there a realization of that reality that we probably don't experience this side of eternity? Probably so. But is there also more available to us than we're currently aware of? I guarantee you. And I believe that what Jesus was inviting Nicodemus, gratefully for John, inviting us through John's writing, was to live alive in Jesus, was to live aware of our citizenship in heaven. You see, Hebrews says that we are citizens of heaven. Not that we will be when we die, but that we are now. The majority of you in here are citizens of the United States. And you actually have the protection of the United States government everywhere you go in the world, right? You get in trouble, you get a hold of the State Department, they come to your rescue. If you're an ambassador of the United States of America, then you have an even greater level of protection and authority. In fact, if you live at the embassy, or you're at the embassy, it doesn't matter what country you're in, the embassy is American territory. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we're ambassadors. You're a walking embassy of heaven everywhere that you go which means that you don't play by earth's rules. You play by heaven's rules. And that's why when we pray, things change. That's why when you tell demons to go, they have to go. That's why when you pray for the sick, it says that they will be healed. And I am not content living based on my experience. 
Are you with me? Quite honestly, I have prayed for sick and then not be healed. Anybody? You ever done that? And yet, I'm not going to base my life on my experience or my lack of experience, but instead, I'm going to live into the truth of the Bible, and I'm going to press on until that becomes my full experience. Amen? And that's what it looks like to be a spirit-filled people who value the Word of God, is that we take God at His Word, and we don't just say, oh, that was cute that it happened one time, but no, that's your promise for today, and I'm going to live it out. And if we start to believe that, then what happens is, is that it changes the way that we live every day. Somebody comes up with a need. They've got sickness. They need finances. They, they have a problem that needs to be solved at work. And instead of saying, oh, I hope that works out well for you, no, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray with them. You don't have to even know what to pray. You can pray what my two-year-old Eli prays, Jesus, come. We were fighting sickness this week in our house. Eli goes up to one of his sisters, puts his hand on her. Jesus, come. That's all you need. You need those two words. You don't have to know scripture, though you should. You just need to say, Jesus, come. That's, what God, that's God's heart for you. Is that he's given you access to everything in heaven. So when we go out next week and love your city, or you go to work tomorrow morning, or you're at restaurant for lunch today. What does it look like to say, Jesus, come, to invite him in there? I promise you this, that it is God's desire to back up your faith with all of heaven's resources. It's God's desire to show up. And so if you enter that scary place where maybe you've never gone there before, maybe you've never prayed for your waiter, your waitress before, or maybe you've never prayed for a family member who's sick. What, what does it look like to pray and expect God to show up? I would be real honest with you. I've had some moments where I've prayed, and for whatever reason, I'm not going to create a theology out of it, that person didn't get well. But what I've found is that nine times out of 10, that person experienced the love of God in a transformative way. And I'd like to leave you with this thought. Our ministry team can come down. Oftentimes we think, I'm gonna leave you with two thoughts. Never trust the pastor when he says he's closing. <laughs> what if we pray and nothing happens? Right? Anybody have that legit concern where it's like, man, if I knew that every time I prayed for somebody, they got well, then I'd be, I'd be in all the time. Here's my thought. But what if something happens? Another thought. I believe that it's impossible to pray in faith and nothing happen. Something will happen may not be exactly what you were praying for, but something will happen. What if we be, begin to be people who carry the love of God, that begin to see ourselves as people who would declare the good news that God is available, that God is after you, that God loves you. Like Dustin said, that he's, he's already paid the price to restore you to him, and he wants you to know it. What if we begin to live that way, to transform the world around us?
Would you stand? Some of you may be here and you may be like that waiter at the grist mill. You're like, man, I just feel really far from God. I'm gonna ask you, why don't we just all do this together? This is a fun exercise no matter what. Put your hand on your heart. Just ask God, God, are you with me? And wait on him. It's not a rhetorical question he wants to answer. that like man I know God's with me but I don't feel with him and you just need to surrender your life to Jesus this would be a really good time to do that what you do is you just say Jesus I trust you with my life I've gone my own way I've tried my own stuff I give my life to you trust that you died for my sin on the cross and yet you rose from the grave to give life to me, that you are the Son of God. If you pray that prayer, everybody else keep your heads down. Would you just raise your hand and just say, hey, that, I just prayed that for the first time. I just give my life to Jesus. Come on. We got a little one that did. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, and all the talk about praying for people who are sick or who are demonized or whatever, you're like, man, I just need ministry. I'd encourage you just to come forward and let this team pray for you. Here's one of the clearest, easiest ways you can recognize if you're wrestling with demonic spirits. If there's a place that you're stuck and you've tried everything and you can't get out of it, you got lies whispering in your ear, you are hopeless. There's a good chance that there's a demon whispering. It's got you stuck. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you less than anybody else. It just means that you need some freedom. And I believe that Jesus is still doing that today. You may be here and you've got pain in your body got sickness or maybe you've got a family member that's really sick and you just need to stand in the gap for them this team would love to pray for you finally you may be here and you just know I, I just need to be filled freshly with the power of God you're like I, I've got a flicker but I don't have a flame I believe that God has that for you so Lord we just invite you to come just as people come to receive ministry we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and do what only you can do. Have your way here, King Jesus.